0: Welcome to Intercepted. Uh, first one in, I think, two weeks. Um, I'm Justice Mosqueda. Um, I'm here with my co-host uh, for the NFL uh, show for SB Nation, Steven Serta. Say what's up with people, Steven. Hey,
1: what's going on? Uh, excited to be here. Uh, this is my first appearance on Acme Packing Co., so I'm excited for uh, excited for this game, even though we're not going to have Aaron Rodgers
0: at this one. We're just never going to have a Mahomes versus Rodgers matchup. Like, they just don't have enough crossover, Right. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Wait, the, the Chiefs, they probably played like two years ago. So they're probably going to play in like two years again, just in terms of like the rotation. Because this game was because they both had the one seed and because of the 17th game, right? So this is, yeah. the, this is the 17th yeah. game. This is what you get. Aaron Rodgers being out. Jordan Love is in, going against Patrick Mahomes. Um, goodness gracious. So I just kind of want to talk about up top what is happening in green Bay? Cause you'll see a lot of people posting, I'm sure. I mean on your timeline, right? So I, I only have the perspective of like me following the people that I follow, which is skews Packers, right. In terms of potential protocol violations, is that getting on your timeline or is that just me?
1: I mean, yeah, it is. Cause I think I follow just a lot of like gen- general NFL people and this is a huge story. Like it, it's not just simply it's the reigning Bay MVP. Yeah. It's the
0: reigning MVP of the league who has you know they just beat the first un, the last undefeated team in the NFL and they are now sitting atop an entire division or entire conference. So yeah, like there's it, a reason why people care.
1: It, it, it's not just a Packers story though. It, it's an NFL story because it is Aaron Rodgers. You know, if it's if this was Tyrod Taylor or something, just to throw like a random quarterback out there, I, I don't think it's, it's still probably a big story, but it's not this big of a story when it's the guy who is like an NFL face, like a, a feature atop the league. And it just seems like the Packers have been lying about Aaron Rodgers being vaccinated. Like, it, it's a really big deal.
0: That's one of the biggest things. So we're in this position, first and foremost. Because Rogers used the term immunized, right? Immunized. I, I still can't say it. I'm, I'm a bozo. Uh, I went to public schools in Oregon. So if, for, uh, <laughs> in terms of scholarship. So he said he was immunized. He is not vaccinated. The joint committee appointed by both the NFL and the NFLPA, which is the players union um, said that whatever service he received, shows no potential uh, adjustment of you know viral load or potential to get covid down the line. So whatever he did was bunk. He tried to appeal to the league and say hey actually I should be considered vaccinated they said get out of here. And then since then, right, the problem in terms of the covid protocols, it seems like the the plain stuff the plain stuff is weird, right? So the NFL basically has three different sets of rules four players, right? You're vaccinated, you're on the plane, okay? Then you're unvaccinated, which would seemingly be the second option. Wrong. There's two different types of unvaccinated. So if you're unvaccinated with an exemption, you fly on a different plane. If you're unvaccinated without an exemption, you're on the same plane with the vaccinated players, you're just spaced out more. That doesn't make sense to me, right? So, you know, there's a lot of rules in the NFL. My buddy Sam Schwarzstein was on here a couple weeks ago when we did the Steelers preview. He basically. He was the rules guy, right, for the XFL when we were there. Um, the way he describes, like, the NFL's, like, legislation is like a Frankenstein, right? Where it's, hey, we need this rule now, just add it to the thing. And it doesn't matter if it all mashes up together. Like, there's just, it's just a collection of words, right? Um, the reason that the Packers might get in trouble is because there are rules in place in the COVID protocols where players within the team facility, and it doesn't matter where in the team facility, they have to be wearing a mask at all times. That is why we've seen players like Alan Lazard, you know, wide receiver who missed last week because he was a close contact. He didn't even test positive for COVID, um, taking Zoom interviews for player availability this year. They have not been doing that with Aaron Rodgers, which then opens up the possibility of every single time Aaron Rodgers has been doing an in-person interview indoors in the media room has been a violation that can cost him $15,000. That is a problem for multiple people in the league. Um, Lafleur, up to this point had been adamant that the league had not had any issues, had not let them know about any violations. He said that as, as uh, recently as yesterday. Um, the league then opened up an investigation. He started to change his tone a little bit. Um, he, he's using the word football space, right? So Rogers immunized is Lafleur's football space, where he's like, hey, man, in the football space, we've been 100% like down, letter of the law, have not broken any rules. And then they were like, was the media room a football space? And he goes, ah, I don't care about the media. Well, it doesn't matter if you don't care about the media because your team still might face consequences because of it, right? So that that's going to be weird. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how that develops moving forward. The other thing too, is like we talked about this on NFL university yesterday, um, the SB nation NFL show again, plug, 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 go there, five-star review, subscribe all that for, for national coverage. But the fact that other players in the league, even in their own division, you can look at another quarterback in their division, Kirk cousins, he's doing the same thing. The NFL hasn't stepped in, in these situations. And they sure have on their websites, their social media accounts, and their network that they all own have posted, you know, interviews, press conferences of clear rule violations when they know who is or isn't vaccinated. So this all seems like a very elaborate way to not out Aaron Rodgers as an anti-vaxxer, and it makes the NFL look bad because they've been along for the ride the whole time. It makes the Packers look bad because now they're like, wait, you care about this now? I thought you didn't care about this. And the other thing, too, is like, why is Lazard doing Zoom interviews when Rodgers isn't then? Like, how how far are they willing to go to just kind of save face for the guy, I guess? Uh,
1: It is interesting when you think about a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who isn't vaccinated, has been honest about not getting vaccinated, has gotten COVID twice now. And he still wears a mask during his press availability. And it's like, okay, well, why wasn't this being enforced with the green Bay Packers then? Like, so are we, are we actually operating on a tier system? Cause you know, the, probably the loudest anti-vax guy in the NFL right now is Bill's wide receiver, Cole Beasley. And he had to miss some time earlier in the season because, and got fined, I think for, Uh, an NFL official being happening to be at the team facility and Beasley wasn't wearing a mask where he was supposed to be. And it's like, that seemed like it was a product of circumstance and it's okay. This guy's also really loud about this stuff on social media. So it's easy. It's a good PR stunt to just suspend Cole Beasley or, or hold him out. Now, Aaron Rodgers is the kind of guy that costs you football games. And so it seems like we're kind of developing a tier system here where they establish importance of certain players as to whether or not that person's really got to be strictly following the COVID protocols. And that's not really the way it should be. And sorry, Matt LaFleur, you should be concerned with the media. You know, there's, there's elderly members of the media who could be high risk contacts for you. And so we should be concerned about anybody who's coming into contact with the players, not only for the media's health, but also for the players' health. You shouldn't want the players to get sick, and if we knew Aaron Rodgers was unvaccinated, then he's a risk of getting it, which is what happened now, and that's why he's not going to play on Sunday.
0: Yeah, there's so many moving parts. To your point of the tier system, it is it is weird to see where this is being enforced and not. So, like, for example, David Montgomery, right? Not a huge name. Like, fantasy players know him, right? Um, the running back for the Bears. He came down with covid I believe he's like just coming off the list right now. But days before he was put on the uh, reserve COVID list, he was still doing unvaccinated indoor uh, media availability without a mascot. So um, that's another example. Um, An example of a player uh, beyond Lamar um, who's wearing a mask indoors uh, and is kind of known to be unvaccinated. uh, Yeah, unvaccinated would be Carson Wentz, right? That's another example. So it seems like this is really just like operating honestly, on like a team by team basis, like the, the league isn't outside of the Beasley situation, the league hasn't really stepped into this. And if they want to enforce it, they can enforce it. But the problem is, there's a whole lot of stuff to enforce in terms of this. And I, I do think it's fair to enforce it. I mean, you're talking, like you pointed out, you're talking about workplace violations, right? That That's a very different space than are we just operating as a football program by ourselves, aside from the rest of society. If If you have media partners who do not know what the health status really like what the health conditions are um, walking into your facilities, that's where things start to get like really tricky. You know what I mean? Like that's like, yeah, someone gets sick, like you might get sued, you know, to high heavens because of that. You know what I mean? So that's what the NFL, I, I don't know if the NFL is like actually worried about the media as much as uh, they're worried about their, You know, profits not getting cut into by a lawsuit. Um, But it still goes into play.
1: I I think the other thing here too is that, and I I can't speak for the way it is in Green Bay, but the way I, I know for a fact it is here in Kansas City is that any media members that enter the team facility are required throughout the week to submit negative COVID tests. And and they were even, you know, asked if, you, if you're if you available to get a booster or whatever, you know, go get the booster or, or whatever. And they're strict about the way that they're testing the people who are allowed to enter that building because they've really minimized the amount of media members that they'll allow in there, which is totally reasonable uh, during this time. So I, I totally get that. But you have to – you. If you're the NFL, you can't just always be reactionary when the stuff pops up. And and like you mentioned, like this kind of Frankenstein reactionary way of establishing these rules, like just stick to it, stick to it, have people that are generally policing this stuff and and monitoring it and actually making sure that they're enforcing it. Because, yeah, now the question comes, Okay, I am really willing to bet right now that there's some teams around the NFL that are not policing this as much as others. And that I would imagine as the season goes on, and this might be the biggest circumstance of this with Aaron Rodgers, but we're probably going to see more of this as the season goes on. And now that we've established a superstar player who was clearly unvaccinated and the team seemed to
0: not be honest about it. Yeah. And I do think to your point, right. When Beasley got caught, it was because someone walked into a room and saw something was wrong. Right. That's very different than, so let us throw this back to an, an old story. Remember when ESPN got busted because uh, that high school team that wasn't really a high school team was playing against another high school team on, on Bishop Sycamore. Like, exactly, Bishop Sycamore on like ESPNU, right? the The reason that that stuff can't get caught is because ESPN has so much inventory; it's literally impossible for someone, like a single person, right? to consume that much content to be able to, like, quality check across the board everything that is happening on all of their networks, right? Think about this from an NFL perspective. Teams have cameras in the facilities, right? How can you watch a live stream of every camera in every facility at all times? That's a very hard thing to do. So, so the, the reason Beasley got popped is because someone saw him. That's a, that's a pretty easy situation to be in. I don't think teams are traveling like – or uh, f- officials are traveling like that now in the regular season. Um, how, how you can – it's a lot easier to legislate specifically the press conferences, though. I mean, it's on damn video. They're only like 15 minutes long. You have beat reporters in there constantly. It seemed like the Packers really do want to save faith. Like Lafleur yesterday wouldn't even touch the question of if Roger should or shouldn't have been wearing a mask in that situation because he then said that would give you an indication of if he was or wasn't vaccinated, which is very much what he wasn't trying to do. He went away from that today by saying basically, like, yeah, like in our football facility, we're following the rules. What are the media rules? Like, uh, specifically said, you know, in our football space, right? And then the, the follow-up question was, is the media room a football space? And he says, oh, I don't care about the media. Well, you're still in charge of that, so I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Your team is still going to get fined because of it. I don't think that anything big is going to come from this. People have asked me, like, do you think Rodgers is going to get suspended? No, dude, there's there's no way the league is going to do that. What, what the league is going to do is they'll give, like, a maximum of, like, $800,000 fine to the team. Rodgers will get, like, a $50,000 fine, and then they might get, docked, like, a sixth or seventh round pick, maybe. A- outside of that, I can't imagine the league stepping up more than more than beyond just those kind of numbers.
1: Yeah, I saw people speculating like, should they lose draft picks or something like that? Like, uh, this isn't bounty gate. Like, like it's you know, it, it's dishonest, I, I guess, and, and it's kind of selfish in, in a way. It seems like, but this isn't you know, th- th- this isn't something that like. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. You're more like,
0: how are you guys just letting this happen? <laughs> like, my my why? thing is more like, why? Like, why are you? Yeah. So Rogers is unvaccinated, but he doesn't want people to know that he's unvaccinated. So he's not wearing a mask in the press conferences. He's not doing the Zoom. And you just let it happen, and you're just hoping that it slides. And you're looking across the division, and you're like, well, the Bears aren't getting popped for it. Well, you know, the Vikings aren't getting popped for it. The league hasn't told us anything, so we'll just keep this going until the wheels actually fall off. And look what happened, man. Like, this was bound to happen, right? Like, if you're an unvaccinated quarterback who's not taking care of himself like that, he's probably going to get fined for the Halloween party too. Um, Like, he's just not taking care of himself, and he's putting himself in a position where he's going to get pulled out of a game. And this is after he's saying, like, this team needs to be all in, right? That's the whole narrative this entire summer. We did a whole summer of it. This team needs to be all in for me to return. And then he's not really all in. And just that, it's just kind of like the the ceiling falling down. You know what I mean? Well, and
1: so I I guess this is like total speculation on, on my part, but it just came to mind. So is there a circumstance where, you know, his summer, you know, refusing to come to Green Bay, saying he wanted out, doing all of that stuff, and kind of setting himself up to where, okay, I'm calling the shots a little bit now because I want to be respected this way by the Packers organization. I want to have input on all of this stuff. Like, is this a product of that, of, like, Green Bay just being like, oh, just let Aaron be Aaron. Let's just keep him happy, and let's go try to win a Super Bowl this year.
0: I don't know, because, like, what else can you do, right? Like, all, all of these head coaches for who have players who are – openly unvaccinated and are contributors to their team, all their answers are the same. It's just like, hey, we try to talk to them. It's a personal decision. What can you do? Because like short of walking up to Aaron Rodgers with needle in hand and shooting him in the arm with the vaccine, what can you really do? I mean, you can have conversations with them, but at the end of the day, conversations are just conversations. If you can't change someone's mind, you can't change someone's mind. That's the world we're living in right now. You know what I mean? So I I don't know. I don't know how much, Uh, That's involved. We should actually get into this game, though. Uh, There's a football game coming up on Sunday. People were really excited about it until uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, was no longer able to play. Um, The Kansas City Chiefs, I looked at the injury report yesterday. um, First injury report released on Wednesday. Seems like you guys are pretty healthy. Um, Though The one thing that I will open up with is you and Kyle Posey both said that you still don't trust the Chiefs, even going against Jordan Love. And I, just my brain, there's too much whiplash right now, right? I woke up into a world yesterday where Aaron Rodgers is no longer my starting quarterback. You guys immediately saying that you would take a team that has Jordan Love, who has not thrown, or has thrown an NFL regular season pass, but has not thrown, has not started a regular season game, going head-to-head against Patrick Mahomes, all-time leader in every efficiency stat in the history of the sport. It doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me. It feels like a reverse jinx. Yeah, I mean,
1: but if you've followed this Chiefs team, nothing about them makes sense this year. And I'm out here looking like an idiot each and every week saying this is the turnaround game. This is the week that they get right. They're finally going to put it all together, and we're going to see them go on a run, and they're going to look like a contender again. And then every week they look totally disorganized. They can't play defense. Now the offense doesn't work. Now they can't even throw the football. And I know a lot of the advanced analytics say like their offense is still really efficient, still really productive. It's just the turnovers and the the rate that they're turning the football over. It's just that at the beginning of the season, we kept saying, that's got to come back down to earth. They can't keep this pace up. Like it's just not possible. It, it defies the laws of average for this con- to continue And we're eight weeks into the season and it's continued every single week. So maybe this is just the outlier. Like this just is the norm for them. That is their average is turning it over two to two to four times a game because they've done it every single week. And it's sometimes it's just fluky like Patrick Mahomes doing a jump pass at the goal line and it going through Josh Gordon's hands and hitting Jerick McKinnon in the helmet and popping up for an interception. They've had a ton of those this season. You would think that those are going to go away sooner or later, but they just simply haven't. And so I'm at a point where I just have to assume that that's who they are. And it makes me not believe in them at all. And we're coming off of a game where I saw Matt LaFleur make adjustments against the last undefeated team in football and said, we're shorthanded. We got to run the football and we got to play defense. And they did, and they created turnovers. And they beat the only undefeated team in football. I haven't seen the Chiefs adjust anything this season, really. Outside of, they started putting Chris Jones inside more, and that's great. That's where he belongs. That's where he can be a game wrecker. Not on the edge like they started the season. But other than that, they're still doing the same things and just nothing's working. And I don't have any faith that going into this game that any of that stuff's going to work, especially after watching them on Monday night. So yes, I do think there is a circumstance where Jordan love comes into Arrowhead stadium on Sunday and beats the Kansas city chiefs.
0: That is that's wild. We might clip that one, put it, put it on social media. Um, (laughs) So yeah, to your point, Kansas city does not adjust well in game. And it's very weird to see because I thought the chiefs giants game. I'm sure a lot of Packers fans saw that because it was the Monday night football game. The chiefs opened up with, probably as good of a script as you're going to see in the NFL, right? Their their game plan was very similar to what Green Bay basically has to open up games with, right? Teams are going to play you too high. What are you going to do? I'm going to run the ball inside. I'm going to do short little passes on the perimeters because your safeties are off instead of, you know, drop down over a tight end or something like that down in the box. Um, They just went away from it completely after like the first drive. It was very weird to see where Green Bay it seems like the the way they approach it is like they they just stay consistent. They attack the too high stuff, right? The way that you're like supposed to on paper, slowly move down the field. Then they'll have like one drive where they're like, "All right, Aaron, let's see let's see what you can do." And then if it's like a three and out, they're like, "All right, back back to the run game, <laughs> back to the run game and the short passes." Like we're not gonna be doing this if you're if they're doubling Devontae Adams. I'm sorry, we can't take deep shots with this team when MVS is out. Um, Injury-wise, Green Bay is in an interesting position, right? Bakhtiari could come back. Devontae Adams just came back. Joe Barry just came back, their defensive coordinator. Uh, Cornerback Kevin King seems like he's going to be able to go. It'll be interesting to see if he does or doesn't start. He was the starter the last time we saw him. He probably had his best game of the season against Cincinnati. And then uh, Yadam came in as his replacement, got benched. He's basically a special teamer now. And then Rasul Douglas has been a little up and down. I, I I posted that uh or I wrote in the injury report yesterday that Rasul Douglas was a little up and down, and Packers fans were like, How dare you say this about a guy who has started exactly <laughs> one game for the team? And I was like, Whoa, getting a little carried away here. Like AJ Green was open on that play. If he turns around, Packers probably lose and he doesn't get that interception. But all right, cool, cool Packers yeah. fans. Luckily, we're all in on the Rasul was... Douglas train. <laughs>
1: Yeah, luckily Douglas was prepared for AJ Green to think it was a run play.
0: I mean I got that, must have got seen that it, from film study. He must have seen it in camp or something when he was with the Cardinals, yeah. right? Something like that. Um, the Packers are relative they're they're getting healthier than they have been all season, which is a little scary outside of that whole uh, quarterback situation thing. So the the line has moved like crazy already this week, right? We 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 post the opening lines on Sunday the Packers were, I believe like a three point dog on the road. Then Monday night played out. They, the books reacted by saying, okay, well the Packers are now a short favorite. And then Aaron Rodgers is out and now they're like, okay, chiefs are seven and a half point favorites. So this line has been everywhere. Like you could have gamblers having like literally any number on this game on, on Sunday. So it's going to be a very odd situation gambling wise. Um, Defensively, you mentioned Chris Jones is kicking inside more. Melvin Ingram should help there. Um, that, that's going to be a nice addition for them. I mean, Melvin Ingram is kind of on the same type of timeline that the Packers got Whitney Merciless on. They tra- just traded for for Ingram from the Steelers. Um, I believe he, made a, he definitely made a Pro Bowl with the Chargers before. Um, he still has a little bit in the tank. Getting Chris Jones, who, again, is like, he's got to be like 290, right? I mean, they were playing him on yeah. the edge. And he was a he's a premier interior defensive lineman. So getting him back inside, if you can get him more reps in there, I mean, I I think that'll give the Packers a little bit more trouble. The the Packers situation, actually, let's throw this to the break before we get into the Packers offense. And we're back. So getting back to the Packers offense, because I didn't, I I want to talk about this more in depth a little bit. So we'll talk about the Chiefs defense and the Packers offense uh, relatively. The Packers up front have had two pretty significant injuries at this point, in the, or three significant injuries at this point of the season, right? Ellen Jenkins, who has now returned to practice, David Bakhtiari, who might return to practice, and then um, their center, Myers. So Myers is out now. Lucas Patrick is in, starting at center. He's kind of like a interior, like he, he's like a guard center combo type of guy. The guy who's getting his ass beat, though, I, I, out of all these guys that they brought off the bench, like Joshua Nyman, who no one has ever thought of ever. And he started at, at left tackle and did a pretty good job locking it down for like a three game stretch. Lucas Patrick came off the bench. No one thinks about them. The the guy The guy who you we're concerned about is Royce Newman. So he was a guy who looked great in the preseason. You look at the PFF stats in the preseason, they couldn't stop tweeting about him. They're like 90 grade. Start this guy, Hall of Famer, right now. And then regular season came in, you have a little bit of brain farts. And it's really like stunts and twists that are really like kind of kicking his butt. Like when it's just him lining up on another guy head to head, he does a pretty good job. When once those guys are moving across his face, it gets a little bit more difficult for him. That's the guy I worry about in regards to Chris Jones. Like that's the dude that like Chris Jones might be able to like beat the hell out of.
1: So this game against the Giants and you know, the the Giants offensive line is pretty storied for how bad they've been. And it seems like they've been like that for several years now. Um, It was the first game all season where I felt like the chiefs consistently generated pressure. Now you got to remember that. Yeah. They're playing Chris Jones out of position because they didn't have any depth and they just don't have that much talent really at the edge. And so they tried this experiment of moving Chris Jones outside and being like, well, we know he's a game wrecker in the middle, but he's so athletic for someone his size. And in reality, it's just that, yes, Chris Jones is insanely athletic for somebody on the inside, but that athleticism doesn't translate outside when you got to bend and dip and do and pull off all those moves to get around the edge. It just doesn't work that way. Like his raw power, like he was losing something in his power by trying to get outside on the edge. And it just wasn't effective. And then Frank Clark is just, been ineffective for most of the year. Now, Frank Clark was dealing with one hamstring injury, came back, returned to practice, then he injured the other hamstring injury. And so he's had two different hamstring injuries this season, and he actually got a sack to close out that game on Monday night football. It was the first time all season that that, like, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, pass rush tandem actually looked like, okay, and maybe they're healthy, and maybe they can come back. Um, But – I'm still worried about them because Chris Jones admitted that he tore ligaments in his wrist a month ago and he's been playing through it. And that's something that's been bothering him. Frank Clark after the game was just like, yeah, these hamstring injuries hurt me. I haven't been able to work out my lower body for two months. And so, you know, I'm still trying to get back to where I think I can be Uh, their pass rush is coming along and hopefully Melvin Ingram is that dude who can help them exploit that and maybe get after Jordan love in this game, but it's still hard to have faith in them. You know, when the only game your pass rush looked dominant was against the New York giants, because they've got one of the most expensive defensive lines in the NFL. And I think they have like eight sacks on the season or something like that. Like, it's just really
0: bad. Yeah. One of the interesting things I think in terms of like matchups is so green Bay, for the most part has been able to do what they want to do offensively this year. Right. That I, I don't think that's a shock to anyone when they have struggled. It's been situations against like Chicago where you have two actual edge rushers who are coming at the quarterback and then Akeem Hicks up front. Right. That's, that's when you saw, saw a lot of like three and outs by Green Bay. Um, the, the Packers that game had to basically change up their entire like one game philosophy. They started doing stuff that they hadn't done at that point in the season, like just running because they're a big zone team, right? The problem is zone is a lot of one-on-one blocks and you got to make a lot of those one-on-one blocks, right? Where power gap scheme, like if you're just down blocks, right? They're windshield wipers. It just, hey, from here on, doesn't matter. As long as the puller can make that block and the guy kicking out the end can make the block, we're good. We have to make two blocks instead of five, right? So that's basically what they went into. It's going to be interesting to see if they can make those type of adjustments with a backup quarterback, right? I I think that's – that plus the fact that Robert Tunyon is now out, and there's a little bit of a question at, as to kind of who that tight end is going to be long-term, um, whether it's Daphne or DeGuara as like the pass catcher on like third down. I, I think those are causes for concern, I guess I would say, because Mercedes Lewis can't do it. I mean, Lewis, he, he – I'm sure if you look at it like his production in terms of like how many plays he actually like runs routes, I'm sure it looks fine. The problem is there's just only so much wear on those tires you can put, man. Yeah. He, he is up there in age there every week. There's one one day a week that he doesn't practice and good for him. He sh- I, I don't want to use Mercedes Lewis's legs in practice, but to think that like, OK, Robert Tunyon is out. Now Mercedes Lewis is going to get more, more of those tight end snaps. I don't think that's how this is going to work. Someone's going to have to step up and take those Tonyan snaps away from Lewis, too. So it, maybe it's Deguara. We, we've seen Aaron Rodgers rip Deguara's ass before about not knowing where he's supposed to go. Um, miscommunication at tight end plus a backup center plus a backup quarterback. That, that to me is where I'm getting stressed. And you guys are like, oh, yeah, Jordan Love will beat Patrick Mahomes. I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down a little bit.
1: It's it's just forty-nine and fifty-six. Those are the only two numbers you need to know on the Chiefs defense: Ben Neiman and Daniel Sorensen. Just find those guys on the field and you'll be able to complete a pass because they cannot cover anyone to save their lives. Um, I would assume that you guys are probably gonna try to run a lot in this game, like you did in I that game so. against the Arizona Cardinals. And the Chiefs' run defense has been a little bit better than their past defense, but I still don't think it's good. I, I think it's a product of everyone knowing that they can pass on the Chiefs. So I, I think that's where they're going to find success. And then, yeah, if they're smart, they'll try to use that run game to like set up some play action and, and, and stuff like that and give Jordan Love an opportunity to throw the football and just be like, all right, when when you see 49 in center field – Uh, that's when we're going to play action, and that's when you take that shot down the field.
0: The the toughest thing for Kansas City fans must be that it's not only that Sorensen and Neiman aren't playing well, it's that they haven't played well, and they're still on the team, and they're still getting snaps, right? Like Packers fans have seen this for a while, too. I mean, we've had defensive backs really since that, like, Super Bowl season, um, you've either had a problem at safety. Safety was real bad for Green Bay for a long time. And then recently it's been cornerback. Obviously, Jair um, is good. And then Stokes is, is looking a little bit better. Um, but in recent history, you know, the last probably six to eight years, they, they've had big issues in the secondary like you're talking about, where it's not only that a guy is playing bad. It's that guy played bad last year. And that guy is back and he's still starting. And that's like one of the worst feelings as a football fan of just knowing that there is a guy who can't cover anyone and he's on the field and he's going to be on the field every play.
1: Yeah. And it's not just that they're getting snaps when they're bad. It's that they're literally the worst players at their position in the NFL, like hands down. They're the worst players at their position in the NFL. The Chiefs did sign former Packers cornerback Josh Jackson to their practice squad this week, so that's uh, a he should be he should be
0: playing safety. (laughs) Is my thought?
1: Maybe they're trying to get some insight into the Packers defense with
0: him. I I don't know how much Josh learned to be (laughs) to be frank. Based off of how he played on the field, Um, let's flip to the other side of the ball. Packers defense. Um, The guy who's going to surprise you. So, like, I'm sure Chiefs fans at this point know Kenny Clark. Right. So like, hey, he's like a borderline Pro Bowl nose tackle. Um, The guy who's really stepped up in the last month is Dean Lowry. Kenny said yesterday, Lowry's playing the best football of his life. If you look at like any of the advanced stats and you have access to uh, filters that can kind of whittle down the beginning of the season. The last month, Dean Lowry is like a Pro Bowl defensive end. Like he looks like J.J. Watt. It's very weird on passing downs. Running downs, not so much. But passing downs, he can just run through an offensive lineman's face. Here's the problem. Kansas City, for as much crap as that offensive line has been getting for the past two years, and I know these guys are a lot different than the guys that they had last season, those guys are all tough up front. Like, you can't really run through their face. And I I think that really kind of hurts the Packers' pass rushing plan because Lowry, he's a guy who wants to run through your face. Kenny Clark is an all-world athlete for his size, right? He's a guy who runs through your face. Uh, Rashawn Gary is a bull rusher. Preston Smith sets the edge hard as hell. That's probably his best trait. All of those things I think are a little bit negated when you go against Kansas City. I think this is like the way you beat Kansas City is more like speed off the edge than like power rushing, I guess, if, if that makes any sense. And I don't know if Green Bay really has that guy outside of when they play former college safety Oren Burks on the edge every once in a while. And they only do that a couple times a game.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because that is specifically like what their offensive line has struggled with this season. They've been fantastic in run blocking. The problem is the Chiefs don't run the football that much and they don't want to run the football. They want to throw with Patrick Mahomes. That makes sense. It just hasn't been very good this year, but where they have really, really struggled is with. The athletic, fast edge rushers. And we saw the way the Titans dominated them. And going into that game, the Titans defense was giving up yards and points to virtually everybody. And then they just dropped a three spot on the Chiefs. And part of it was Harold Landry and Bud Dupree were just roasting the Chiefs tackles off the edge. Like Mahomes was just under pressure all day. And it was like, it was almost like a, Super Bowl flashback to like the Bucks. It wasn't quite that bad, but Mahomes was running for his life all day and it and they got to him so early in the game that then he was giving up. Like he was he was halfway through that game it was, "Oh, I don't care if the pocket's clean. I'm bailing immediately as soon as I get this ball." And so that's where they've really struggled. So yeah, I am curious to see that because this offensive line, while it's probably better than what they entered the Super Bowl with last season, it's still, at least from the fan perspective, I think everybody still thinks it's bad, and it's not bad, it's just not elite, like they're they're not particularly good at what the Chiefs need them to be good at, and the only hope really is that they'll get better as the
0: season goes on. They're not bad, they just, they don't have athleticism at tackle. That, yeah. that's, that's really the story of the Chiefs right now in, in their offensive line, which is why I thought, you know, when you bring in a guy like an Orlando Brown to play offensive tackle for you, like, look at what he was doing at Oklahoma. Look at what he was doing at Baltimore. Why would you think that that guy is like a pass pro protector? That's not what he does. He's a dancing bear who gets downhill and just punishes you in terms of like run blocking. So I kind of thought Kansas City, the way that their offensive line shaped up, they would start running a little bit more of like the college concept stuff. And we saw a little bit of it in the preseason. And you never know really what teams are using the preseason for, right? Like maybe that's extended install. Maybe that's not a reflection of what they actually want to run. It's just, hey, we got to get this in and we want to get this on film. We're probably not going to run this. So if we want a chance to get a look at it, we need to uh, tighten up the bolts off of preseason film, right? they can still snap into that at any time, which is why I'm still scared of the chiefs. Right. Yeah. If, if you hear an announcer in this game, if you're a Packers fan, if you hear an announcer say like, Oh, wow, they're running the Oklahoma run game stuff, right? Like just vaguely talking about college run game stuff. That's when you need to get worried. Cause that's actually what this chiefs offensive line is built to do. They just aren't doing it for whatever reason. And I do think some of that comes back down to Andy Reid because how can you look at that first drive of that Giants game and not say this is how we should be playing football when they play us like this? Like we can just move the we can move the ball down the field. Stop thinking about football in terms of like uh, yards per play, right? Think of it more as yards per possession or, or or points per possession, right? If if you start thinking about it that way, you'll see like oh, actually, our more efficient way to score points is by kind of just taking what the defense gives us. And at, to a certain extent, that's probably what they're going to have to do. Because we've, we've talked about this on the national show, too. Defenses are treating uh Kelsey very interestingly. They're basically treating him like a wide receiver. So when the Chiefs come out into what, two tight end sets, defenses stay out there and nickel. And that's giving them a lot of problems, right? Because the other side of the coin is you go out there in base, right? Two tight ends. You have, you know, four defensive linemen, three linebackers out there. You're in a too high structure. And now you have a matchup somewhere on the field, right? If you don't flip the corners, um, things are going to get weird in the slot. If, if you do flip the corners, Travis Kelsey's probably isolated on a safety or a linebacker backside. The difference is those speed advantages get negated a little bit when defenses are in nickel. And then the answer is, oh, well, we have to run against this. But the players the Chiefs have on the field are Nicole Hardman, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, three guys who don't seem like they really want to get involved in the blocking game, which is so different than, like, the Packers wide receiver unit, right? And I think that's causing some of these problems, too, beyond just the offensive tackles not being able to handle athleticism off of the edge.
1: Yeah, like – it's become kind of a joke uh, you know, like how important Sammy Watkins was to this chief's offense, but like looking back on it now and seeing the way that they've gone through this season, like it legitimately Sammy was really important to this offense because of how he blocked. And it's a weird thing to say. And I think that's why they brought in Josh Gordon, because they think Josh Gordon can be that kind of guy. And You know, his snaps have gone up every week since they signed him. He still hasn't been a big part of the offense, but maybe they do try to get him involved in this game. I would think this is a good one to try to do that with. Um, You know, you need to put up points, I I still think, even with Jordan Love under center. But, yeah, that's been an issue with Andy this season. That first drive against the Giants – that was the first time in a while, and we've talked about it a lot here in Kansas City. Like Andy Reid's always got that opening script, like the first fifteen plays or whatever that he wants to run. And for years, even with Alex Smith, it was like that first fifteen is good for seven. Like we know the Chiefs can score on that first drive, and then it's when Alex Smith had to start adjusting when he would start struggling a little bit, and when he would have to start start playing like off cue and out of structure a little bit, and that's where Mahomes has thrived. And so I think some of this just boils down to, like, Andy's ego and not wanting to adjust so much because I think it would be hard to adjust for anybody when you've had so much success over the last three, four seasons with Mahomes. And especially, like, when it comes to the offensive line and the way that they're utilizing them, even though they know it's not what they're good at. Andy has over his entire career has drafted like mid to late round offensive linemen and thrown them in the mix. And like, they become contributors like LDT who they just traded away at the trade deadline was a, was a starter for this team on a Super Bowl team. Um, he's had success with that a lot over his entire career. So I think that part of it is him just thinking, well, they'll get it. They'll, they'll get it. Cause, cause we know how to do offensive line here. We know how to groom offensive linemen. And it just doesn't seem like they're getting it. And so it's like, yes, please adjust that first 15 that we saw. That's what we need. We need more of that, like, force Mahomes to stay within the game plan. And the special part of his game is when that stuff breaks down and he can just go make plays. The problem is, it's not happening organically anymore. It, it, it's all just forced and it's all trying to make things happen where things aren't. So, that's been their struggle and that's been the biggest frustration with their offense and why i'm totally skeptical about them uh in this game in any possible way
0: you can try to develop orlando brown and lucas yang as much as you want andy but they're just they're never going to be jason peters in terms of athleticism like <laughs> yep. that that matters to a certain extent I, I i do wonder like so orlando brown was an interesting situation Um, This is less talking about the game and more just talking about the Chiefs, but it's still good content, I promise. Orlando Brown was less of about a situation where he needed to be moved or was asking for more money and more of a situation where he wanted to play left tackle because his pops played left tackle, right? Here's the problem. He's going to lose a lot of those advantages, right? I mean, we're seeing it right now, the athleticism. It's just not there. Um, So I do wonder, like, would this team be better if, like, Thune? was like their left tackle and Brown was like their guard or their right tackle. Like I, I, I think that's probably the case, but they've already kind of conceded. The only reason that they got Orlando Brown was because he wanted out of Baltimore. Cause they wouldn't let him play left tackle. Cause they had Ronnie Stanley. He wants to play left tackle. So he's just kind of there now. And that kind of sucks.
1: Yeah. And, and I do think that they had higher hopes for Lucas Niang. Um, You know, he was a player who was really, highly touted coming out of college. And then he had an injury that kind of made him fall in the draft and they thought he should have been a much higher draft pick than he was. So they were thrilled when they got him. And then he sat out his rookie year because of COVID. And so this is really like his rookie season. Um And he's been okay. He's shown flashes of being good. And then he's shown a lot of inconsistencies. I think they had much higher hopes for Chris long, then we really realize, you know, they they brought in Chris long who can play guard, who can play tackle. He's done both throughout his career and he's done both effectively, but he got hurt in the preseason and he's been on the pup list and they haven't activated him yet. Uh, they're saying that he could be back soon, but like who, who knows? I think that they really wanted him as a guy that they could just move around the offensive line. And as long as he stayed healthy, he'd be a productive player there for them because their interior is good. Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, two rookie players that have been fantastic for them. Joe Tooney has been fantastic too. It's just the ends. And so I think if they get Kyle long back and Kyle long still looks like he's a player or Chris long, Kyle long, I always for Chris Kyle long. I always, I always get the longs confused the long brothers. Um, if they get him back, I, I think that he could wind up being like in the mix there over Lucas Niang or uh, Mike Remmers because, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think that they're going to move Orlando Brown Jr., and that's probably a mistake.
0: One more thing I want to get to offensively before we get into our predictions. Um, so Jared McKinnon was in there, and I was like, oh, I forgot Jerry McKinnon is there. That's cool. And then I saw Gore. And I was like, who the hell is that? Because that can't be Frank Gore. And that's the only Gore I know. So who who the hell is Derek Gore? Because he was getting touches for you <laughs> at running back last week.
1: Yeah, so Clyde Edwards-Alaire is on injured reserve right now. Um, Chiefs have not activated him. I think that window opened this week. They could have activated him, but they have not yet. So I'm assuming he's not going to be anywhere ready to go for this game. Um And so Daryl Williams, who has been kind of a mainstay the last couple of years, he was a practice squad player, worked his way up to a 53-man roster, and then backup running back. And then they brought in Jarek McKinnon, and the Chiefs have kind of abandoned their running back screen game that was so effective during the Alex Smith years. And part of that is, you know, Mahomes' mentality, gunslinger, going to make things happen down the field. I'm not trying to check down. And so I think Andy Reid just kind of abandoned that part of their offense a little bit too. Um, so Jarek McKinnon, the thought was, oh, Jarek McKinnon's going to have a, a major role in this passing game. And he has not had a role in this offense at all this season. And then Derek Gore, who was on the Chiefs practice squad, he had a couple big games in the preseason for him. Andy Reid kind of tongue in cheek in the preseason said that Derek Gore reminded him of Gale Sayers. Uh, now, this is like a 26-year-old journeyman what back. What? what? <laughs> so, yeah, this is like a 26-year-old journeyman running back who's played for multiple teams in the NFL. And most of the time, it's been like as a practice squad player. But he looked really good in the preseason. And then out of nowhere last week, Jared McKinnon got like a few snaps and then Derek Gore came in and looked like he might be their most effective running back. So I don't think Derek Gore is Gail Sayers as Andy Reed joked during the preseason, but it seems like Derek Gore has got some juice and I'm kind of excited to see if he can continue to produce for them, at least until Clyde gets back. Cause Clyde was finally kind of developing and turning it on and looking like, okay, this is why you took him in the first round. Um, then he got injured and now the running game is, they've been kind of trying to figure that out. And like Daryl's a fine player. He's just not explosive. Derek Gore, and it's no relation to Frank Gore. He just happens to be a Gore, but no affiliation to Frank Gore. But he just looks like he's got a little bit more boost than Daryl Williams does. So I actually want to see if they try to use him some more in this game. I'm actually excited about Derek Gore this
0: weekend. Yeah. So I'm, I, I, I did a quick Google. The first result is who is Derek Gore? Is he related to Frank Gore? That's nice. Uh, so I'm not I'm not the only one here. Um, I should have known him because I ran personnel for a spring league, but uh looks like this guy used to be at Alabama and then he transferred to Louisiana Monroe. That's an interesting situation. Yeah, he looked like a player that week. I, I am kind of interested in like why they wouldn't use McKinnon Moore as a pass catcher because like that's that's his thing dude like <laughs> you can run screens to him I don't know if it's like a thing where it's like hey it's just so obvious that when he's coming into the game like we're probably going to try to run a screen with him that teams adjust differently with personnel um one thing that I did want to know before we get into predictions is uh this feels like it happened three lifetimes ago but it just happened this week Jalen Smith got released at linebacker um he was a healthy scratch last game Essentially what the Packers were doing was they, they play a lot of nickel with three defensive tackles and just one inside linebacker. So like Campbell's there Um, against Arizona, they ran like true nickel, like four, two stuff with two inside backers. Uh, What they ended up doing is they played Barnes there and Barnes was really the second inside linebacker in like their base, like three, four Uh, Jalen Smith was often playing their, their uh, like, I guess you would say true nickel, like the, the inside linebacker and true nickel. Um, his snaps went down from like seventy percent to fifty percent to healthy scratch, right? And then he was cut. So the experiment there was basically: can we get better than Chris Barnes at inside linebacker in nickel sets when we know teams are going to want to pass the ball more? The answer was not if 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 the player is Jalen Smith and now Barnes is starting at inside backer, so he's probably going to be the matchup guy um, for a lot of these running backs with the way that you know Campbell's kind of having to play sideline to sideline or. Dropping down to the line of scrimmage, he does that too because he's kind of a bigger body. They use him as like that fifth, fifth rusher often. Um, let's get into predictions. So the Chiefs, seven and a half point favorites. What, what do you think about this line? Huh? Are you gonna uh, take the Chiefs? I
1: mean, it says a lot about the worth of Aaron Rodgers uh, because they were not favored prior to him not being available for this game. Then all of a sudden it's a seven point game. I don't like it. I hate it. I actually, I submitted my Arrowhead Pride game prediction this morning, my written prediction, and I still
0: pick the Packers to win this football game. I, man, I am just TBD. Like, I don't even know if I really have a take. Like, it's just TBD. Jordan Love is starting a quarterback. I think what you're going to get from this Packers offense is a whole lot of, like, and we talked about this on the show yesterday, is that, um, you're going to see a lot of like the Shanahan-McVay type of stuff with him under center, I think. It's going to be a lot of inside run, a lot of outside run, both being zone plays and then play action off of that. If they're in the gun, I'm going to start getting uncomfortable because Love has shown enough with his footwork, at, at the very least in the preseason, that he can do that from under center. And, hey, man, you're going against Patrick Mahomes. Slap the training wheels on this damn thing and like, let's just try to make it through the game. You know, that, that's kind of my perspective. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I just think, like I said already, it's I've just seen more willingness from Matt LaFleur to stick to what you're good at and stick to what's working. And so I could see the Packers just, you know, having a game plan, knowing that Jordan Love is the quarterback and trying to minimize opportunities for him to make mistakes. And the Chiefs Chiefs offense also – willingly making mistakes, uh, more than any team in the NFL and the Packers defense, like being pretty good at forcing turnovers this year. Like, I I think that all of that, the way that it's kind of piled up for Kansas city this season leads to, oh, you almost lost on Monday night football to Daniel Jones and Joe judge and the New York giants to now you're getting Jordan love and Matt Lafleur instead of Aaron Rodgers on Sunday against the Packers. And you did lose this game because they actually have competent coaching. Like, that's, that's, what this, that's what this game feels like to me.
0: I guess the deciding factor, I would say, in terms of, like, game script, right, is first one to three scores wins, right? I don't think either of these teams, in the way that they're playing right now, can play from behind. Once they turn into, uh, I guess you would say, like, a predictable football team, right, teams can just kind of clamp on them. Um, so, so I kind of think that that's the situation that's playing out right now. First, to three scores wins. Whoever gets 17 seventeen first, baby, that's the winner of the ball game. Um, you might as well call it at that point.
1: I, I do believe in twenty nineteen when they the last time they played, Aaron Jones just absolutely shredded the Chiefs' defense. So I could absolutely see him do that again. They're the, they're the worst tackling team in the NFL. So if you got any pop at all and you can break tackles, and AJ Dillon, hey, he wasn't. He, he, Downhill, he might actually buddy. be a factor. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to really struggle to tackle both of those dudes. I can see both of them having big games against the Chiefs.
0: Dylan O'Keefe might be their best, like, running back that you want to run the ball with, right? I mean, wh- what does running back even mean? Um, a beast. when When you have a guy like Aaron Jones who can line up at wide receiver and stuff, and they did start doing a little bit of two-back stuff where, you know, Aaron Jones would go back there, A.J. Dillon's back there, and then Aaron Jones motions out to wide receiver, and you're like, uh crap we have to keep the box intact but a linebacker now has to go walk over aaron jones that's a bad matchup That's gonna
1: be ben neiman it's yeah. gonna be ben neiman trying to cover aaron jones
0: yeah i mean i i think they have more advantages at running back than even wide receiver right now it's just nice that all those wide receivers can block and it kind of they all they all kind of mesh together a little bit especially when lewis is in the game um thanks for the time steven do you want to plug any of the stuff arrowhead pride nfl reacts uh nfl university
1: Um, yeah, I mean, if you guys haven't subscribed to the SB Nation NFL show, you absolutely should. Uh, You could hear me and Justice multiple times a week. We got NFL University on Wednesday. Then we got NFL Reacts on Friday. I think those are two uh, up and coming popular shows on the podcast network. So you guys should definitely check those out.